welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview my good friend and piano player from New Orleans, Andrew McGovern. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young. Today, we have a guest, my good friend, Andrew. How are you doing, sir? Hi, what's up? I'm doing good. Could Thank you, you for having me on here. No, anytime, man. Especially people that I played with. Uh, could you let the people know a, a bit about yourself? Where you're from, where you went to school, etc.? Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Andrew McGowan. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, I've been living in New York since 2016 um i went to college with leander at uh, stony brook university in uh, stony brook and long island and uh also growing up in new orleans i went to new orleans center for creative arts and uh so i graduated high school from there 2005 then moved up to new york right uh as i moved up right here before hurricane katrina hit and uh, then studied music there, moved back to New Orleans in 2009 and uh, got started playing music professionally there and uh, then moved back up here in 2016 and just living the New York life. Okay, well, first of all, welcome back to New York, even though I knew you've been here. But what made yeah. you want to move back here from New Orleans? Uh, I mean... Sometimes you need uh, a change in your life to change your surroundings if you really want to grow as a person. And uh, I think that's part of it. Part of it just kind of wanted some adventure. I wanted to live somewhere different. And also uh, going to school in Long Island, I got the taste of what New York City is like, but had not lived there and was pretty intrigued to live in New York City itself. So now I'm going to make that happen. I'm living near LaGuardia Airport, as you can hear some airplanes go by every once in a while. <laughs> Understood. Astoria area. So, Woodside. 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 Wow. That's bad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> could you at least tell the people your first impression of New York coming from New Orleans? Was it what um, you expected? Was it... I mean, I had... Uh, you mean... When I moved to Stony Brook? Well, or when yeah, I when you to went to city. Stony Brook and you went to Manhattan to check out the jazz scene, what was your first impression of it? Well, I mean, the jazz scene, there's definitely... I was going to a lot of jam sessions and I was getting exposed to some musical elements that uh, I was... I had seen some of, but it was kind of... Just the standard seemed very high in order to be able to play with people at jam sessions and people like it just seemed com like to me it was just hard to understand where's the form where's the beat uh and because people are playing all kinds of crazy rhythms doing all kinds of things just to see if they can do it you know and uh it was uh it was very exciting for me to go and like start going to jam sessions so you didn't um, feel when like... I was, when I was in college. So you're saying like they were pretty much trying to impress? 
in the jam sessions or you're saying that it was just a different level in general? Uh, both, both, I guess. I mean, there's a certain ag- aggressive kind of New York energy, which comes across in the music. Uh, and it's kind of like, the question is like, can you, can you hang with us? You know, that I feel like I'm hearing that, or at least I was coming out. Uh, and I mean, some people like it, some people don't, I guess, but it was scary to me at the time, but I was definitely, uh, fascinated by it. And it just, in terms of certain things about tempo, like, or like rhythms, like I would, I would go, go back and then just like be trying to replicate what I heard, you know, and it gave me ideas to eventually make up some, you know, kind of exercises mm-hmm. to work on it. Uh, so it was good. It was great inspiration. Okay. That's but also, good. I guess in terms of another thing about, uh, New York energy versus, you know, the South is that, uh, a lot of people from the South, when they come up here, they, people come off as unfriendly because, you know, it's like you're used to, in New Orleans, you walk down the street, maybe you'd say hello to the, the person that passes you, you know, or whoever. You People just like look and pay attention to each other a little bit. And then a lot of times in, in New York, if you say hello to a random person, they're like, what's wrong? <laughs> they're, you know. Uh, Trust me, I understand that. Yeah, but there is a, there is a, like, there's a caring energy here also. And uh, you don't see it at first, maybe, but it's, there's a very warm and caring energy that you can come across with people. Uh, One, the the phrase I was thinking about was, if, call me if anything. Like, to have someone say that to you, like, just whatever you need, just call me. You know, to have someone say that to me is really nice to hear. It makes me feel welcome here. Hopefully that done well for you since you moved back. And Yeah, yeah. What made you actually move back from 2016? Um, Well, yeah, that's what I was talking about in terms of like wanting to, wanting to grow and wanting to, you know, to have experience that would, that would cause me to have to grow, which it did. Okay. That is fair. Well, before I forget also, tell me about the new projects you're working on. All right. Will do. Um, I have, uh, well, I have this album. Um, I'm in a band called Micro Corgi, which is a trio. It's me on keyboards I play synth bass and uh, piano or keyboard at the same time. And uh, the drummer is Ilya Dinov. And uh, we have to be roommates. And uh, the guitarist is Yuto Kanazawa. And he lives nearby also. So we've been, we've been able to uh, be, you know, including each other's bubble for the, the pandemic times and still get together and play. Uh, and uh, we released our album on November 20th called Microcosmos. So that's uh, what I'm really trying to tell people about. And uh, I, actually sang, I actually sang a song on, on that album. So 
Oh, that might be my that might be my debut singing. I mean, you, that one I'm curious to hear now. <laughs> yeah, do you listen to it? You don't listen to it. You didn't give me the link, guy. Okay, okay. <laughs> I said do. before, send me the stuff so I could listen to it. You didn't send me anything. Okay. Yeah, whatever. It's okay. That's just you. <laughs> oh yeah, please listen to it. Definitely. I'll send it to you. So. Another thing you're going to have to explain to people. Go. Yeah. How did you meet these guys? Are they just pals from before? Um, what made you decide to make the album? Well, I met Ilya at a jam session at Smalls. And uh, that was when he was just visiting New York. He was living in Berlin, I think. And... Uh, he later, like maybe six months later, moved to New York City and I needed a roommate. So he became my roommate. And then we uh, started playing together sometimes. And Ilya, when he had stayed in New York before, he stayed with at Yuto's place uh, and was a roommate with him. And he was, the, the two of them were playing together together and then had the idea to start a band with a keyboard player and luckily he was roommates with me so he asked me uh to just get together and try it out and uh yeah one thing about Ilya is that his enthusiasm is crazy and that he's just like he's full of a lot of good energy and uh he was like wow this music is incredible his breathing is just uh you know and so that really, uh, that really pushes us forward. And then, you know, we, uh, we played, a, we played gigs at this place, Tommy Jazz. Uh, Utah had a few gigs a month there. Mm -hmm. So that was one of our spots to kind of work things out. Okay. I know Tony's. I'm surprised you didn't invite me to that, but that's besides the point, Andrew. I see how it All is. Right. All right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully gigs will actually exist again, and then I'll definitely invite you. I think they're going to start opening stuff soon. Just a matter of when is soon. I'm thinking. Yeah. Fall. I saw I saw Governor Cuomo on the TV talking about uh, this is unsustainable in terms of what we're what it's doing to the economy, and we have to get back to normal yeah. at some point he might change his mind tomorrow so you can't take his, what he says too serious so yeah what what from the academic world to the real world uh -huh. being in both what is something that you have learned like what is something that college didn't prepare prepare you for what's something that it didn't prepare me for um So much, <laughs> so much. What did it prepare me for? Okay, let's go there. What uh, did it actually prepare you for? Yeah. I mean, when I studied at Stony Brook, I, it was, there was no jazz major. So I was taking like Western music history classes, uh, classical piano lessons. And then we had the, we had the big band uh, ensemble meeting. So that was, and then we had like combos. So we had some jazz type stuff, uh, but definitely 
the both like the Western music history was really interesting to me. We also analyzed music like going through the the different time periods, listen to the music, do analysis and learning the stories behind I guess what was producing that music definitely connects you to it. And uh it's just inspiring to write music and also took composition lessons. So just the time sitting down trying to write music uh, is I still take that with me because I still write music and think you just have to build on your habits throughout your life. So you're trying to build good habits for yourself. So for me, writing music is a really good habit. Uh, I mean, so yeah, what it didn't prepare, prepare me for. Yes. <laughs> what, what it didn't prepare me for. Uh, I don't know. I mean, one thing that I felt somehow it's taken me a long time to build my work ethic to really do my best on a gig, to figure out what it is that it takes for me to do my best on a gig. And a lot of times that's just putting in a lot of time practicing, figuring out different ways to practice it, be creative and internalize the music and just listen to it a lot and just understand how important it is to focus on it. And I don't think you can get that until you get really get in the situation and do it. Okay. Uh, that, I mean, I don't know. The, the social aspect of being in a band in terms of voicing your opinion about whatever common matters, if it's making a set list, if it's making plans for what the band is going to do, uh, and it's, you know, it's, imp it's important to, it's important to do your part within those matters uh, in terms of not just leaving everything to another person because at some point that person's going to get tired of doing everything. You know what I mean? It's like, it helps the morale, not necessarily everyone putting their, like arguing over what's best, but the fact that everyone has an opinion means everyone cares. Uh, and there's, I don't know, there's just, I feel like I would be a lot more socially awkward if it wasn't for music and I had to learn how to, you know, work on something together with other people. Okay. So you're saying Which, that music in general just helped you out and that's yes, something you yeah. got out of it that was positive. Yeah. Okay. That's, I give you that. So what would you tell someone going into music right now? Like if someone came up to you and said, I want to be a professional jazz pianist uh practice and uh listen to music and i guess reach out to people that do what you want to do and ask them things ask them how they did it uh but yeah i mean practicing spending time with your instrument listening to music that uh to just get your pretty much if you want to eat good food, you got to, or if you want to cook good food, you got to eat good food. And with music, if you want to play, whatever you're listening to is going to be strengthened connections in your brain in terms of music. Uh, 
And I mean, that's obvious stuff. Just, you know, practice, listen to music, write music. It's, I mean, try to write music every day if you can. I try to do that and then I'll write a couple songs for a couple of days and then I won't do it for a long time. But it takes a lot of times that's the decision, okay, I'm gonna write music every day to actually, uh, you know, making it the most important thing I'm doing okay. for a while. Uh, but yeah, I think you really, in terms of being playing the piano, like you ha- kind of have to create a soundscape uh, in terms of when you're being an accompanist. And I think writing music really hones your own focus on what you think music should be. And that can really help you improvise. Okay. So, Andrew, how has Corona personally affected you in the music scene? Uh, I mean, no gigs. No gigs. That's the obvious one. Uh, I mean, for musicians at this point, the big thing is, okay, how? what am I going to do during this time? And uh, my friend Nathan Feller, he has this studio called Voyager Sound in Brooklyn. And uh, a few months into the quarantine, I think it was around June, he reached out to me and he was saying that... Uh, he had nothing to do at the time. He was on unemployment and he was like, yo, just come through and record whatever you want. So I went there. I started uh, recording some songs where I played all the instruments and sang, which was a dream that I had for a while. And now I just got to actually make it come true. So you got free I have this studio album time. I got free studio time. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so that was amazing. I'm so grateful to him. And you couldn't share uh, with me? Sorry. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> sorry. I've known you over I get 10 years and you do this. I get, I get greedy sometimes. But yeah, that's a project that uh, I'm also going to be really excited to share with the world when it's ready. It's not quite ready yet. How much of it's done, roughly? I have about eight songs done. And uh, the thing is, have a lot of depressing songs in there. So I'm about to record some more upbeat kind of stuff to balance it out. Dang. Okay. Yeah. So there's going to be definitely plenty of depressing introspective stuff in there. And hopefully some more upbeat stuff. But, you know, just music that means a lot to me. Okay. So where do you think jazz will be in 10 years? Um, where will it be in 10 years? Uh, I mean, just, I guess in terms of jazz, I like the concept of black American music, which Nicholas Payton came up with, which is just saying that all these different musics are linked together. Like it's not just jazz and then there's rock and blues and hip-hop and like there's if you study some of this music it helps you and other others of these music also and it uh so i mean to me i like that idea as a direction for music where 
it doesn't have to be limited to just jazz where it's just swing. Uh, and I mean, that's at least where I'm going with my music, where I'm taking a lot of inspiration from jazz and swing music, but I'm not, uh, not playing a swing beat, but also want to be able to go and play that kind of music also at any point. Um, Okay. So I think, uh, yeah, I can't tell the future is what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay. When it boils down to it. Yeah. All I know is what I'm going to do. So if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, would you talk them out of being a musician? No. Hell no. Okay. Why not? Um, I mean, I, I'm just happy where I am in my life right now. And I want, I'm not going to gamble and risk that by saying, hey, go just do something else. And who knows? I could be miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wouldn't... Uh, at this point, I'm not going to disrupt the space-time continuum and uh, say something to my eight-year-old, 18-year-old self. Okay. So, Andrew, can I ask you questions also? Yeah, go ahead. Ask me a question. Go, go. Okay. What What would you tell your eight year old, eighteen year old self? Uh, That producing a jazz album, never expect to make the money back. Okay. Okay. But I wouldn't want you to tell. Well, are you still gonna make those albums? I mean, how many did I make with you? I learned that after the first one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with you alone, I made five. So after the the first one. I realized that it wasn't going to make any money and I still did four more. By the way, there's a song on uh, one of your albums that I've recorded two more times afterwards. Which one? And one of the, uh, you gave it the title uh, Drunk in Love in Stony Brook. Yeah, th- actually, um, you did because you wrote no, that I didn't song. I that title. I wrote the song, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was on so, the fourth album. Yeah, we we <laughs> recorded it. We recorded it uh, with the session. Mm-hmm. That's a band that I'm in. That's uh, it was based in New Orleans. Now where I'm living here, the drummer Darian Douglas is living here. The uh, the bass player Jason Weaver moved to Belgium, and the trumpet player Stephen Lance is still in New Orleans. Okay. Um, but that's a group that's gonna be doing stuff in the future. Okay, so now... Uh, and yeah, so we, we released this album, Collusion, uh, and that the song was on there. It's called 6-8 Tune. That was Drunken Love in Stony Brook. Uh, okay. And then we just we just recorded it and released it with Microcorky also okay. on Microcosmos. So now so I got to hear these versions. Now you got to listen Yes, okay. Now you got to listen Do you have any other questions for me, Andrew? Oh, uh, can no, I go no. back to asking you? No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you can. You know. <laughs> if you could remove all the barriers, all the constraints, what type of project would you make? And who would be on it? Oh, oh, I was not ready for this question. Um, well, obviously, there would be an orchestra involved. Uh, if I could, what kind of question is this, man? If there's no barriers, I could do whatever I want. Yeah. Isn't that like the ideal dream question? 
Sony comes up to you and says, here's a blank check. Give uh-huh. us the best album you can make. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Obviously have an orchestra involved. Maybe do like orchestral versions of stuff that I've already done with different bands. Um, what dream musicians would I have? Uh, Alex Isley. I really like her singing. I would like to get her involved. Uh, okay. Dream rhythm section. Less. Oh, man. You know, this, this is so painful to Okay, to fine, let's skip that one. Okay. What is the best compliment you ever received? Um, when I was going to Noka, we had a teacher named Alvin Baptiste. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, went around, he actually went around the room and gave everybody a compliment. And uh, when he got to me, he told me I was very musical. And uh, I really value that compliment. Okay. Because, yeah. That is very simple. I thought you would at least tell us what the compliment was. To see who's no, that's musical. the compliment. That was it? That's the compliment. I was, I was very musical. And then said something about pretty much any, anything I did was doing, like, what, what I'm playing is making kind of I'm coming from the angle of trying to do the most musical thing something like that okay that is a very interesting take too (laughs) oh well so Andrew before we go we normally like to give a shout out or show respect to the artists who came before us okay so I'm going to tell you an instrument and two artists choose one and tell us why on trumpet, Freddie Herbert or Chef Baker? Uh, Freddie Hubbard. Why? Uh, I mean, he's just on a lot of the albums that uh, are like my favorites. Like, uh, uh, what was it? Um, these albums that are my favorites <laughs> that he's on. Okay, he's on a lot of albums that are your favorite. No problem. So on saxophone, yeah. Benny Carter or Phil Woods? I have heard the name Bet, Bet, Benny Carter before. I've never heard the name Phil Woods. You never heard so, of Phil Woods? No, I never heard of Phil, Phil Woods. I'm failing. Yeah, hold on. That's like a slap, Andrew. Come on, man. But we'll skip that one too, then. Okay, so Benny. Okay, Charlie Parker Uh, or John Coltrane? We'll go there. Okay. Um, I choose John Coltrane. How come? I mean, he's just if if I, you know, they're both uh, legends and both and just two of the best, and obviously Charlie Parker's way up there, but. Just personally, who I feel like I could relate to more, just 
from hearing their music is John Coltrane. And then just in terms of uh, who I would choose to listen to or who I have chosen to listen to. Okay. And I mean, that also goes not just to him, but the style of music that, you know, his bandmates are also playing with him. Okay. So I'm bass. Ron Carter or Ray Brown? That's another good one. See, you know, I like when I recognize both the names. Um, I'll go with Ron Carter. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just so creative. Uh, just like in terms of like a soulful swinging bass line, like you can't beat Ray Brown. Um, but Ron Carter took that tradition and just you know, what what he did with the Miles Davis second quintet is uh just makes me really revere him. Okay. On drums. Arch Baker? I mean Archie Blanky Wow. Or Max Roach. Say that first name again. Art Blanky or Max Roach. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I'll go with Max Roach. Because? Um, I mean, he's just so sophisticated and smooth with it. Um, like Art Blakey is a little rougher with it. Uh, and yeah, he's obviously a legend. But if you got picked between two legends, I'm picking Max Roach. Okay. And I'm Piano. Herbie Hancock or Chick Corea? I'll go with Herbie Hancock. Wow. He, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm staying loyal to the Miles Davis second quintet. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just so creative uh, with everything he does. And, you know, so technically beautiful. I mean, you could say that about both of them. Um, but yeah, just also bluesy okay. and funky. That works too. So, Andrew, can you please tell everyone your social media, your website, where to find you, how they could get in contact with you? Um, yes. Also, I wanted to talk about one more thing. Go. Uh, go, 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 go. Just to make sure I get but it in. Tell them your so, social media first, though, so, since we already okay. got on that. Okay. Andrew McGowan Music. That's me on uh, Instagram. That's me on YouTube. Andrew McGowan Music. Uh, and yeah, there's also Micro Corgi Music. Uh, that's on Instagram. And The Session. Uh, hold on, hold on. So the other, the thing I wanted to talk about is uh, this cooking and music show that's uh, on my YouTube channel. That's Andrew McAllen Music on YouTube. This uh, show is called Cooking with the Woodsiders. And there's two episodes out. There should be another episode coming out in about two weeks. And uh, the first episode, I made uh, French fry nachos. And then the second episode, Ilya from Microcorgi made crepes. And... Uh, that one was uh, 
also feature the music of Michael Corgi. So each each episode it starts with a a musical intro, and then there's the cooking, which there's like cooking and talking, and uh, then the outro is usually a live performance. So it's just a way for me to try to showcase music that I'm involved with and uh, put it with food in a way to just kind of show a little slice of life. Because um, I just see people putting their music out there and there's just so many people like talking about their music on social media. Sometimes it's hard to take the time to go listen to it. But uh that's why I just want to present it in a different way that stands out. So that's why I'm making the show Cooking with the Woodsiders. So that's on my uh, uh, YouTube page. Okay. I'll be sure to link that also to the on the website. Yeah, that would be great. So, Andrew, one thing that you always used to say is that it's good to be obsessed with something. If you saw the movie Soul, Soul tends to give a different message. Yeah, you were saying that uh, it's like there's the character that uh, is always only talks about jazz. And then when he switched bodies, then the person with his body is talking about something other than jazz. Is that right? Correct. Which is crazy for him. I mean, it just says there's more to people's lives and everyone has a different game. Everyone has a game plan or something they wish to do. Not everyone accomplishes Uh that and they still go through life and still could be happy. Yeah. But why I mean, are you saying so, that you have it's good to be obsessed? I mean, if you really want to do the best you can at something, I think and just reach the point of focusing as much as you can on it, I think it's good to be obsessed. Uh and that that doesn't mean to the at to the exclusion of everything else. Uh like obviously there's a there's a healthy healthy range of it. Um, but you know, there's, uh, I'm into this game go that's originally from China. Uh, but we have a lot of teaching about it from Japan and, uh, there's, uh, a guy named Kageyama, uh, who wrote a book called lessons on the fundamentals of go. And, uh, he talked about to get good at go, you have to like it more than food or drink and uh you just have to pile effort on top of effort and uh so i mean the phrase you have to like it more than food food and drink really stuck out to me Wait, in first terms of, all, of when did this guy live was he living um, when there was no tv and there was no internet and no anything i think he wrote this book maybe i don't know 1955 1960. Okay. So TV existed, but uh, entertainment was definitely not uh, a part of our, a part of people's lives um, the way it is like now, like live entertainment was a much bigger thing or just like. Yes. Cause I'm whatever. saying it's easier to be self-absorbed in one thing when there isn't that much distraction out there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not saying, okay, so he's saying that you have to love that more than life itself, pretty much. 
you do food, food or drink? drink? Life itself, not life itself. Okay, just food or drink. Uh, yeah, just just meaning that like, what, uh, if what are you gonna plan plan your day around? Are you gonna plan your day around getting three three good meals a day? Uh, and is is that gonna be the most important thing? And yeah, obviously, health. Your health makes you do something better or worse. Like that's so taking your health, taking care of your health is means you're taking care of everything. But there's just sometimes, and you don't have to be like this your whole life. But it's really valuable to have sometimes where you have a really intense time of study where maybe you're not getting three meals a day because you don't have time or energy to focus on taking care of yourself, you know, <laughs> and you're, you're focusing on going deep into what, whatever it is. Like in this case, we're talking about go, but yeah, music, I'm trying to apply it to music also. Like you need to have some time in your life when that's the most important thing. And that's how you're gonna develop the skills and the self-knowledge, like whatever it is that you need to really, uh, communicate your music to the world and say what you're going to say. Okay, so here's the question on that, building off that. Jazz. There's not many forms of music that sell more than, I mean, sell less than jazz. I think classical is roughly yeah. the same. Yeah. Ch children's music is less, but jazz for the most part doesn't have a big audience. Do you think that uh -huh. when you're self-absorbed in a style of music that is known not to sell well, that it still affects your lifestyle? In other words, you know people might not listen to this thing that you consider as genius. The people that you're trying to impress is very, very small on the whole scale, on the whole spectrum. Yeah. I mean, like, that definitely does affect me. Like, I want to play music that people can connect with, and I don't, I don't want to play for just a small audience. Uh... And that's why my music is not just strictly jazz. Um, and uh, yeah, that totally, that totally affects people's mentality. And the feedback that you get from an audience is really valuable as a performer in terms of encouraging you to keep doing what you're doing. Because, I mean, you have to, like, the amount of effort studying you have to put in I think is equivalent to like becoming a, you know, some kind of like highly paid profession. Uh, meanwhile, you're putting all this effort in and then you're, you know, you're in a situation where you're just dying to get a gig pretty much. <laughs> you're dying to just get any kind of money in return for all the effort that you put in. Um, see, that's but, the other part that you don't really I mean they teach you that in school but it's just something that you don't really realize I think until you're actually I mean, out there obviously my family was telling me the whole time <laughs> oh your family was telling you this from the jump that you don't make money yeah yeah, yeah. I mean you don't think I didn't know this going into it and the thing is when I moved like I was I don't know I, one reason that I moved back to New Orleans after college and didn't just stay here because I didn't really see any kind of path to becoming a professional musician up here at the time. And 
when I went back home, uh, I was kind of surprised to find some of my friends that I had gone to high school with uh, actually making a living playing music. And uh, they kind of took me into the fold and I started making money playing gigs. And it was actually like, uh, you know, it's an amazing feeling to be living off of music and getting to play all the time and working, you know, music is something where you can keep putting, you can keep studying it. You can keep putting more energy into it and it'll keep giving it back to you. Uh, so what is something so, they te taught you to do? Uh, I mean, listen, how to listen to other musicians and play together with, with them. And, uh, to be, you know, to be an accompanist, it's like you have to listen and figure out how to complement what the other person is doing. And that means like really listening to what they're doing in terms of like one kind of idea is that if you're playing with a horn player at some player, at some time they take a breath, right? That's some, that sometimes they have breathe. That's a good time to play a chord. Like... Okay. One but one exercise we did was because uh, with with the session we used to rehearse two times a week for like two years, uh, and we were very we talked about like all aspects of the music in terms of what's what's working, what's not working, what are we trying to strive for, and uh, yeah, sometimes somebody would be like, Andrew, like you're kind of, you sound like you're on autopilot. Like, are you even listening to what other people are doing? And so, yeah, like one exercise was to just, I can't play if the soloist is playing as the accompanist. Only time I can play is when the soloist is not playing. So also I have to be listening to their patterns and try to guess when is he going to take a breath? When is he going to stop playing? Uh, and in terms of listening to the patterns, how they build like one thing, if you introduce a new pattern at some point, that's going to really, that's going to be like an exclamation point or like, a, uh, you know, some kind of punctuation in the music. So you want your kind of, you want to do that at the right time. If the person is just slowly building and then you put an exclamation point in there that that doesn't go along with their, their intention they didn't want something to suddenly happen. They wanted like the slow buildup, you know? So to understand what someone's intention, that's how you have to be an accompanist. Doesn't know, kind of know what the plan is or be sensitive to that. Okay. Um, but what I don't get is it doesn't take that long for you to learn that. So, well, I mean, it's simple to say, but to actually apply that could be, you know, that takes just practice of doing it every day. But you need other people to do it with. You can't, like, accompanying is something you can't do by yourself. That is true. I give you that. Yeah, yeah, and improvising together. So is there, like, a cutoff point where you say that if I'm not making a full, decent living at this, you're going to just pack up, give up, and, I guess, move back down south? Um... 
I don't have I don't have a cutoff point planned. Uh, I know people who did, and some people gave up earlier because of Corona. That's why I asked you that. Uh huh. I mean, it's funny the uh, when um when we weren't on uh when we weren't recording, we were talking about Winton Marcellus, and uh, it makes me think of a quote that I heard about him in terms of if you uh. He said, don't have a backup plan as a musician. Because <laughs> if you do have a backup plan, you're probably going to fall back on your backup plan. So. Uh, I would disagree with that for many yeah. different reasons. Just on a sports yeah. point of view alone, I disagree with that. And didn't yeah. he win a Grammy at like 28 or well, something? Yeah. His, I, can't, I can't compare my career with his because he already accomplished so much by yeah, the before this guy was 30 he was playing in you know in the classic jazz sessions in new york city so yeah uh, yeah that's kind of a hard one to compare but yeah he's an inspiration oh he is an inspiration i know people don't seem to get along with him that's besides the point but the guy was on sesame street before 30 so you know his career was going well yeah mm. okay um yeah but like I said, but yeah, I mean, like I have, you know, I don't make my living from music. I have side jobs and stuff. Uh, and I'm actually, I'm not banking on like making my whole living from music for the rest of my life. Like, yes, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to make money from doing other things. Um, so I'm definitely being realistic about uh, being a musician for the rest of my life. But I have faith that if I keep putting in work, there's going to keep money's going to keep coming. Like it's not the most efficient way to make money, but it's, it's the way I want to make money. And, but you know, not just money, like I, I want to, I, I mean, what I really have a craving for is just to go around the world and play. I mean, I think there are more than enough gigs in America that you don't need to just go around the whole world. And I, I want to travel. I, 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 mean, travel. I fully get you. I'm just saying, I personally believe that. And there are other people who came on the show who said, in America alone, there's more than enough places to perform that you don't need to leave. Yeah. And yeah just so to. you know, Winton won a Grammy at 22. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not fair. He deserved it. <laughs> I, I, no, I didn't say he didn't deserve it. I just said he's 22 with a Grammy. Uh, he's pretty good. He was set. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, that's just something else that you need to remember. I know people say the dream is like they tour Europe. Yeah. And I'm like, there are tons of places on just the East Coast of America to perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. I just, I, whether like, I just want to explore in life is one thing that is really a big thing for me in terms of whatever, whatever it is. I just have a curiosity. And uh, also, there's just something about, like, obviously in New York, it's kind of like traveling the world because you meet people from all over the world. And uh, it just, I don't know, it just opens your eyes 
in terms of what is real about humanity uh, and life. Because you meet people, like, people are raised in different cultures. There's a lot of different things about them. But there's some things that's the same across cultures. And it's really interesting to see those things. Give me an example of one. Uh, people respecting their elders. I mean, I guess it's not in every culture. In some cultures, it's more emphasized. But it's something a lot of cultures have in common. Okay. No problem, no problem. I just disagree. But you know what? At the same time, at least my background, we expect our elders. It's just sometimes when I'm walking around, I see stuff and I'm like, ugh. So they, yeah. Uh-huh. Does that make sense without going too deep on that? Yeah, like, you're like, that would not fly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Any other questions, sir? I'm just going to keep asking you that. If I got any more questions for you. Yeah. What's your favorite color? Uh, Angie, stop. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your favorite rhythm? I'm simple. I like 4-4. Four, four. Why? Because okay, most people uh, could relate to 4-4 four, four straight ahead. Uh-huh. That's why. Okay, uh... Two uh, two drummers, Art Blakey or Tony Williams. What style of music are they playing? Straight ahead. Uh, what type of band do we have? Um, Wayne Shorter, Freddie Hubbard. Uh, I don't know. I want to choose a bass player that would be good for Art Blakey. Sam Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, who's on piano? Oh no, Winton Kelly. Winton Kelly. Okay, so I'm gonna go yeah. with Tony. I know people are not gonna like that, but I'm gonna go with Tony in that situation. Nice. Just off the fact alone that he played with Miles, I know that he's yeah. gonna be ready for a lot of that different stuff. And his VSOP uh-huh. stuff also. Yeah. Okay. All right, good answer. You pass. <laughs> Okay. Anything else you want to add? Any other questions for me, Andrew? Um. Uh. I don't know. Maybe I should save these questions for private private time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. This is Leander from Improv Exchange. I want to say thank you for listening. Have a good day. Say bye, Andrew. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.